Hi, it's Christian Solorzano, and you are listening to Underscore, a podcast by the Chicago Graphic Design Club. This is a show where I interview graphic designers based in Chicago to better understand their processes, philosophies, and stories. In this episode, I have the privilege of speaking with design practitioners and educators, Sharon and Guy. They share with us their collaborative dynamic, the story of how they met while studying at UAC in the 90s, the emphasis they place on looking for inspiration outside of design, and so much more. We hear about their approach to teaching and the ways that they foster curiosity in their students. And overall, this is just a really fun conversation full of rich dialogue centered around craft theory and practice, which the Chicago Graphic Design Club just loves. So I hope you enjoy this episode as much as I enjoyed the conversation with Sharon and Guy. All right. Welcome, Sharon and Guy. Uh, Very pleased to be speaking with the both of you. I want to start our conversation here by asking the question of if the both of you were in an alternate reality and design had not been your profession, your vocation, what do you see? What do the both of you see yourself doing? It's funny you mentioned that we were just, we we had just watched with the kids uh, everything everywhere at once. And we were at, we had watched the kids and Sharon had brought up like, what would you think we'd be doing if we didn't <laughs> the do design or didn't meet? Like what divergence? So I'll let Sharon. <laughs> yeah, I was saying, I don't know what I would be if I wasn't a designer. I really don't. Maybe I'd be in advertising because that's kind of what I thought it was before. I mean, I kind of was going towards advertising when I learned about graphic design. I originally went to UIC to be a filmmaker. I wanted to be a director. And I think that I, I like talking about like the burdens of if I didn't, if UIC had this, which is still similar, I think, where you had to take one class in like different majors for foundation to sort of ensure that you really knew what you wanted to take. And I had to take a graphic design class. And the person that I took with the graphic design class, his name was Scott Zukowski. And I think he graduated from Cranbrook and he ended up at UIC for a little while. And he was sort of like... um I think th- this is a nice way to say that he was sort of like the odd one out because he wasn't really like Swiss postmodern or, or Bauhaus. So a lot of the principles that he taught in that class, I still adhere to today. And he's the one that convinced me to switch from filmmaking to graphic design. So if I didn't take that class or I took it with someone else at a different time, I probably would have been like a struggling filmmaker or something. So so, so the both of you had a creative uh, tendencies uh, I imagine. I actually started out in photography. I found out, you know, while I was in school that, you know, that that wasn't going to be for me. You know, I mean, I, I still finished in photography and got a degree in photography. But um, yeah, I did learn that it was going to be graphic design. I think mainly because graphic design has typography. Was there ever any like I, I try to think about, for instance, me growing up and the things that I just absolutely could not imagine myself doing. And it was anything related to like math or like chemistry, or like just anything science related? Is there anything that the both of you just know that you just don't imagine yourselves doing? What was your least favorite subjects? I don't know if it was subjects, but it was, yeah, maybe things that are too detailed. (laughs) You know, I would say um, 
with our relationship, you know, guy will handle the the bills and things like I can't like I can't deal with like these everyday things. <laughs> yeah, it's it's uh you know when we first started dating, I noticed like these little things. I was like, wait, you don't know, you don't, you're not doing who's doing this? And, Balancing the checkbook. Yeah. When we moved in together, we would get calls from like a uh, collection agency. I'm like, it's for you. And then all I, I have the money, I just yeah, know. all I would hear is like, oh, I forgot to pay it or I didn't pay it. And, like, and I think they were shocked. That's probably not something to hear that like, oh, you just didn't pay it. And so after a while, I was like, you know what? Let me just do everything. Let me just handle all this stuff. But now things are a lot easier because you just have everything like, you know, debit or automatically debit or deduct. But I remember back then it was, I was, I, I was, and still am and sort of like the worrier. So I've always, so that's why I was like, you know what, let me, let me, I'm going to take care of like making sure there's these deadline things get paid and, you know, and so, but. Like, I like to be organized, but that's just, it's the minutia. too much. Yeah. I can't <laughs> deal, deal with the minutia. And I, I only do that because I. Like I said, I I kind of worry about it. If if I could pay someone to do it, I would just be like, I don't want to know about this stuff. But then for us, it's, you know, I can figure out like, but to get back to the thing, like for me, like anything with math, no way. Like even when, if we're doing like, like right now I was had to hand off like these display posters for Columbia that we're doing to promote some student work. And I had to figure out how to divide something up because they gave me this this wall dimension but I was like oh wait the printer the large format printer can't print everything seamlessly and to make it easier for them to hang up I have to figure out how to divide this in two or three and I was kind of like oh you know so I want to know how the two of you met because I I love when I see partnerships that are both you know partnerships in in a profession in a career but then also partnerships in life I interviewed Dan and Sophia of The Narrative, um, yeah. I think, yeah, last year, and I absolutely just love their dynamic. So I want to know how, yeah, just how the two of you met. We, we met in school because uh, since I was a double major and Guy was also taking a lot of photography, so you end up being in the same classes because of, you know, it's a very, it's like one track if, you, if you're taking, you know, two majors. Uh, so we, yeah, we ended up to be, we ended up being in a lot of classes together. And so it was nice because, because we were able to be, like, you know, friends first, you know, and I think that's really important for a relationship because, you know, you, you, you learn to respect each other and then trust each other, you know, you know, before you become a couple. So I think, yeah, I think it was a nice way to meet. Yeah, we were, because um, like Sharon was saying at UIC, if you majored in graphic design and you would and you were taking photography classes, you were sort of, you always had to take like the morning graphic design section course and then the afternoon photography course. So I think we met sophomore, in the middle of sophomore year, maybe or the second half of sophomore year. And um, that's when we realized that we were in, we, you know, and I started realizing like, well, we're, we're, we were always in, in these graphic design photography and then like, um, like the outline classes, like those seminar classes. So yeah, we had really different ways of working because, you know, I'm like work to the last possible minute, you know, and he's more the worry word. So he's always like done early. So he'd be done early and then he'd just be around for support or be like my intern or something like help me get it done. It was really for the photography <laughs> classes because, it was, you know, back then in the 90s, so painstaking to like develop stuff. And so I would make sure I would get there, you know, like on a Friday when we, if we didn't have class, I would develop all my stuff. Print. So this way I'm like, okay, I'm done. I can just like figure out what I want to do. And then Sharon would stroll in. And I'm like, oh my God. Like, or she would come in the morning yeah. of when stuff's due. I'm like, oh my God, you know, like yeah. so I was always like, okay, come on, yeah. you could, you know, do this. Yeah. So he'd be more worried that, you know, 
<laughs> than me. That's great. And what what sort of shared interests did the both of you have outside of, you know, your classes? What, what were you guys talking about? I was saying like, he, yeah, he he's, was really into photography too. And it, it was really weird because I felt like I was more into photography back then. And then now he's much more into photography than I am now. Right, yeah. like, we kind of like switched places there it was weird yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was unexpected that that yeah. would happen um, but I think in the beginning we there was a lot of curiosity about or a lot of discussions about the way where we lived at and the way we were raised yeah. um because Sharon grew up on the far north side and I grew up on the south side and so we were actually at that time really <laughs> across the city like I was 5800 south you were 5200 north so are you are you from Chicago, Christian? Yeah, I'm from I'm from Chicago. I'm also from the South Side. Okay. Okay. So we so we would meet in the loop. So this way we wouldn't have to go all the way. And then yeah. and of course Northsiders had this perception that the South Side, all the South Side was like dangerous. You're, you're gonna get you know. shot, you're gonna get killed. And and back then for me, the North Side everyone was like, Oh, you don't want to go to North Side. It's weird and they're it's, snobs. Yeah. And you know, so there was a real like Romeo Juliet thing yeah. there. <laughs> yeah. You know, we had to talk and downtown about a lot, yeah. and UIC was like neutral ground. And I mean, it was it was real. Like, you know, he, he was a closet Cubs fan. He he couldn't tell people on the South Side that he was a Cubs fan or he would get beat up. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and um, yeah, because my brothers and I would secretly point. go to Cubs games and not tell anyone. I mean, we would go to Sox game with, with other friends, but we, my brother and I would never tell anyone that we were going to Cubs games. And, yeah. you know, like, you know, Thankfully, there was no sort of like, um, you know, like Instagram or Twitter where someone would take a picture and they would like, hey, someone just posted a thing. What were you doing there? So it was sort of like a free for all. So but we there was a lot of learning about each other's parts of the city. And when he he moved in with me on the north side, it, I mean, his his mother and his friends they were really, you know, pissed off. <laughs> everyone like I thought I was gonna lose like everyone's just like I can't believe you're gonna betray us and in you know it was it was a real big deal for my friends and family like you would you would have thought I was moving to like Australia it was like such it was it was so traumatic yeah, you know I was like the Yoko Ono of the <laughs> <laughs> and then how, how did the both of you end up um in education teaching that was a fluke it was by accident <laughs> it's definitely I think that happens to a lot of a lot of graphic designers yeah, I never thought I would be a teacher because my my sister was a teacher and I always thought that's that's her profession. That's that's not my my profession. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I always uh, I, yeah, I never thought I would I would be a teacher. It was just that when I came back from graduate school, um, my former boss, uh, Marsha Lawson, who's been the director for a long time at, at the University of, of Illinois, Chicago, she uh, you know, she there was an opening and she invited me to be an adjunct. Um, so I thought I would just try it out. And, um, and I told myself, and then in the next semester, they, they, they kept, they kept inviting me. And I told myself that the minute I stopped liking it, or I didn't, if I didn't like it, I'll try it if I didn't like it. And the minute I stopped liking it, I wouldn't do it anymore. But here I am. And you still like it. <laughs> yeah. And I think for me, I had a, we had a mutual friend that we went to UIC with who was working at Marwin. Uh, he couldn't, he, he was, teaching this one-off graph line class and I can't remember why but he he couldn't do it that that during that semester that they had or that quarter and he asked me if I wanted to do it and I'm like no and he walked me through it he's like you know you'll be fine and so I did it and uh once I started doing it, I started to really like it. it's like because for me with Marwin I connected to the students who I could see that were in a similar 
who came from a similar environmental situation that I was in. And because Marum gives, you know, free art classes to um, underserved or inner city kids, I, it, that's what way was back then. And so I could sort of really connect with a lot of those students. Um, and then I did that for a while. And then I think someone, I, I think I just applied to Columbia to teach. Um, I think I applied to Columbia and Harrington to teach. And I had thought, well, like my only concern was like teaching, you know, like what would be like college age students. Cause I thought, well, what could I have to offer? Because, you know, like to teach like a 10, 11, 13 year old, certain things about graphic design, like that, that's fine. But so I applied and it was sort of the same thing. I'm like, well, I'll apply. And if I don't like it, you know, I, I can just, cause at the time we were both working at studio. So I was like, well, I can just go back to working, you know, or not have to spend my time after work going to, you know, teaching classes. And I ended up really liking it too. And I know for, I know, um, so Guy, you're, you have a, you, you seem to have a large focus on photography and like image making. Is that, is that a correct assumption? Yeah, a lot, like, again, a lot of that came from uh, that former professor, Scott Zukowski was uh, like the image making process, which I still do. Like we had a, a gallery last year at Tiger Strikes Asteroid, which was really about image making and um, photography work that I used that I would dissect to make um, these collages. So we would work on these things sort of together. Like I would, we would, I would leave stuff on the table and try to have Sharon like put something on and then I would put something on after it. And so, and I always have a camera with me. So, um, but Sharon hates, Sharon doesn't like when, especially now that we have kids that when we go on vacation together and we come back and she's like, oh, let me see the pictures. And there's no pictures of us or the kid. It's a weird, you know, things that I find. And Sharon's, and every time we go on vacation, Sharon always makes a point like, can you at least take a picture of the kids in front of this thing? And I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> if I if I ever say, can you take a picture of us? He'd say, why? <laughs> What's the point? <laughs> it's not really none of my, none of the photos that I take have people in it. So it's, and to, you know, to me, I always find it weird to like have pictures in it, you know, some like people in the pictures. And so I'm always like, okay. And so I've gotten used to the fact of like taking pictures of the kids, like, you know, sleeping or eating or something. So I don't have to like direct them because I'm not really good at like trying to direct people. I, I think the thing is with photography is that normally I'm very outgoing, but when it comes to doing like photography, like if someone sees me, like if I'm trying to shoot a wall or a poster or something, someone sees me, I will totally sort of like regress. I don't want anyone like watching me. Yeah, it's really weird. It's it's like I, I and that's why I think that's why I don't really take pictures of people because then they know that I'm taking pictures of them. Yeah. And yeah, I'm always really, I, I watch some YouTube videos of like street photographers that do such a good job at like just putting the camera in front of like right. a complete stranger. I'm like, I could never do that. Cause I just feel, I don't know, like for me, I feel uh, very awkward. And I never have mine out either. You know, I always have it in the bag and I'm always constantly taking it in and out. And the times that I've been, you know, confronted by someone like, you know, what do you, like if I see a sign or some type on a, on a store and I'll take pictures, someone will, a couple times someone right now is like, what are you doing? You know, I'm like, Oh, I'm just taking the pictures. Why? Why? And I would, and then I found this awkward conversation trying to explain to them why I'm taking pictures of the typography. And then, then they're, then all of a sudden they forget what they were mad about. They're like, well, why? Why are you so interested in this? You know, so yeah, that's like sort of like letters. Yeah, it's sort of my outcome. They're like, oh, you're just, you know, like a lot of times I think people just feel like, oh, you're that's you're just we're taking these pictures okay you're not you're not you know threatening so and are there any like is is there like specific themes or subject matter that you like to explore through your photography what what draws your eye or maybe a better question is is there like a location or like specific spaces that you love to shoot um 
I think there's like elements of like decay, I, I would say. Yeah. Like I mentioned in like decay or overlooked things. Or just like um, you know, unexpected compositions, I would say. Paint like if there was graffiti that was painted over, but it made a nice composition or something. Yeah, the the gallery had a uh, Tiger Strikes asteroid last year. Um, a lot of that had to do with I have, I mean, hundreds of photos of um, torn posters that have been like layered, I and mean, they're all over the city. That someone puts it, it rains, and someone puts another one, and starts peeling, and you get these unexpected compositions that are better than what was originally put up there. It's almost like, I equate it to almost like the accidental make readies that people make when they're silk screening test prints, and I always find those more interesting than the than the actual um thing that they Intended. were doing yeah. yeah yeah i love that or like a lot of the other and then like straightforward photography is like a lot of weird compositions that 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 I, again like i you know whenever i am out taking pictures i always find myself in these situations where people are like you know what like, are you taking a picture yeah, of? like you know <laughs> like it's not like a straightforward thing it's always like an odd you know or i get try to get a weird angle and then people are always like what are you doing and, you know and so i i believe if i didn't have the camera like, people probably would have thought i'm like breaking into something or, or trying to scout like you know yeah. an eventual break-in or something oh that's funny and then for you sharon your focus i gather is uh is on typography like you seem from me looking through your work like you seem to be very typography focused so what what is it about typography that sort of continues to to draw your in your, your eye that's a good question i i think because it's it, because it's language based yeah i think it's that added added element of like meaning to it and i love that typography can be both two-dimensional and three-dimensional and it could be put to motion i think there's just so much possibility with typography that i think that was what was missing when i was and I started out as, as a photographer. Yeah, for me, it has so much, you know, so many possibilities. I remember when I was a kid, seeing like the girls, they would do bubble letters. And I always thought it was so cool because like they would do them so awesome. But I didn't, I mean, that is that is a form of typography. And I would say that it was probably for me, like one of the introductions. Was there anything for you that like a for maybe before even you, the typography was a term going back. Was there any type that sort of got cemented into your brain? I think it in, in, when working and I really enjoyed kind of like drawing or coming up with ideas for logo types, things like that. And, you know, how you could modify or draw letter forms, how you can kind of explore, you know, ex explore legibility. So I think it, it really started out there, but then also in graduate school is when I started to explore with materials, with materials for making type. And then also, um, and also like motion. And and given that the both of you are from Chicago and and continue to to call the city your home, what is it about Chicago that keeps you that keeps you here? It's a good question because I feel like as maybe not so much uh, like as I've gotten older, I'm kind of like oh I don't know how you know how many more of these winters I can get, you know, <laughs> but I can't I don't want to be one of those people that's like you move to some warm climate like yeah I just I can't do it you know and so. Uh, I think what keeps us here is like, you know, like, you, you know, friends, um, like some of the like the cultural institutions, um, you know, and, and when, you know, when the weather is good in Chicago or, you know, it's like it's, you know, it's great to sort of like be outside, you know, and so, um, but I like we, you know, we we used to travel out before we had kids and 
everyone thought like, oh, you know, I think, you know, we could move here, live here. And then after we would be there for a week or two, we were always like, no, you know, like you can't, you know, you, you couldn't like be there because of the cost of living or, you know, just like the, like, you know, if you take like LA, the way it's like laid out, it's like, you always had to have a car and I'm, I'm always trying not to drive as much. And so I was just like, there's, there's no way, you know, we could live in, in, in a place like that. Um, so uh, I, th I think it's just like, you know, friends, you know, uh, family and like the, the cultural institutions and what, you know, the, like also like the, just the different neighborhoods and, you know, that, the, that we have. Yeah. Uh, well, first of all, like we're really city people, like we have to, you know, live in a major city. Um, and I just can't think of a city that would be better. <laughs> you know, we really like, my sister lived in Los Angeles for like 10 years and uh, we visited her there a lot. And I, and we really liked San Francisco as well. Um, but I think there's a lot of wildfires there. <laughs> um, like he said, the transportation is, is not as good. Um, yeah, I just can't find a, a, a city I like better. I mean, New York was fun to visit a lot too. We have a best friend there. But I, yeah, I think there's too many, way too many people there. Like I can't wait in line for everything. <laughs> I can't live in a box. So, um, yeah. So, you know, so Chicago, you know, still fits us. Yeah. And I feel like well, for my experience, Chicago, I think it's very community centered. And every time I go to other places, like nothing feels like Chicago's. I don't know. Something about Chicago feels like it's. I mean, maybe just because I've been here for most of my life, but I, I just think it feels very cozy to me. <laughs> That's the word that I would use, like just very, yeah, just very community focused. So while we're, while we're on that topic of community, the both of you seem to be pretty engaged, not just as practitioners of design, but the both of you are also educators. And, and from what I see, like you're both also heavily engaged with various aspects of the Chicago design community. So perhaps for someone that, for the listener that maybe isn't familiar with, with all of the extracurricular things that the both of you do, um, what are some of those things? Yeah. So we're right now, we're in the very beginning of chairing the SA 100. So we're uh, we're sort of tasked with finding the judges. And so we're in the midst of that. And we were trying to find uh, like judges that, that we that we sort of admired or liked or, or we felt like we could sort of relate to. And so uh, we're, in, we're at the beginning of that. And we, we, and, you know, we used to run the STA weekend that might come back. Yeah. So they have this uh, called the STA Designer Weekend where every, there was one weekend in January sort of like in the middle of January, where we would go out to Itasca and we would have 20 to 25 designers spend an entire weekend there. So it, what was great about it was that it's in Itasca. So it's sort of really in in the middle of nowhere. And so there's there's not like, you, you just can't walk out of the, the the hotel and go to like a bar. So um, for better or worse, everyone was sort of Together to be time. together for the whole weekend so you have like dinner breakfast lunch there was, like, there was bowling yeah there's bowling on premises so we would have bowling at the, the last day and so that was a lot of fun so uh we we attended one years ago and uh the, at that time the president steve uh had asked us he was leaving he's like oh do you want to you know try to take it over or you know run it and and it, this is going to sound really bad because it, it doesn't look this way sharon and i are really lazy people <laughs> but i know it doesn't seem that way so you know 
And whenever someone asks, I'm, we're always like, okay, do we want to do this? What, how much time is it going to take? And so, and I'm always in the mindset, like, how hard can this be? You know, and Sharon's like, it's going to take a lot of time. I'm like, yeah. You know, and then when we're he's doing always it, he's quick to say yes. I'm like, wait. And turns out, like, no, let's let's talk about it. And I was like, yeah, let's do it. And so we we did it for several years, and then the pandemic happened, and we haven't done it since then. And I don't know if we'll ever come back because it's it's a lot to ask someone to spend like Friday night through pretty much Sunday afternoon, you know, uh, away. And so, um, but th- at the time that we were doing it, it we you know, like Joseph would always be there. Um, Jack was always there. So it had a regular set of people. And what was really nice was the first time we attended, because a lot of these things can be- well, It was a mix of like the regular and then there was always a, a crop of new yeah. designers. It was it was a good dynamic. Yeah. And a lot of conferences, especially like small conferences like that can be very um, exclusive. And so when we went the first time, uh, Joseph was, the Sharon and I were sitting like- off from the bar or something talking and Joseph came up to us and says, Hey, don't let anyone intimidate you. We're all really open. And we had, we had just got there and just set some stuff down and we're like, oh, okay. And so he's the one that brought us. And so our first experience was really great because we were there and we had like, I think at the dinner table on one side of us was Rick Valicenti. Mm-hmm. And then the other side of us was like, it was Joseph. And so it was like these, you know, like design luminaries from Chicago. And it was, you know, and you were kind of like, I'm just going to start asking them questions, you know, <laughs> and, then, and well, they Rick, were very warm and welcoming. Yeah. So Rick, I think it was, you know, and Joseph were very patient, like me asking questions about specific things that they did or, you know, it's almost like nerding out sometimes. I was kind of like, oh, remember when you did this thing? Like, which, you know, and so, and after that, we just fell in love with it and we just could continue to do it until the pandemic happened. And then, uh, and then what about for you, Sharon? What- yeah. So right now I'm in the throes with um, SOTA, Society of Typographic Aficionados. And so, you know, the big thing we do is we hold a TypeCon conference and that's coming up next month. So yeah, it's right now it's, we're, we're doing a lot of, a lot of work to get it done. So that's really nice because it's, it's, it's international. So we really get to know you know you really get to meet a lot of different people from different places and it's yeah it's it's been really I, I think great to be with that group and with the so with so for example with TypeCon and then also with something like the STA 100 they both celebrate and champion graphic design typography and I anytime I go back in time and I start looking through for for instance some of the some of the archives and you see like the decades and like the years and all that there seems to be for me the most exciting part is seeing like the visual language that was happening at a particular time so these things are almost like timestamps of the moments and a question that i have for the both of you is part one of the question is from your specific point of views how have you seen the evolution of graphic design change throughout for instance when you were both first involved to today and is there something along the way that perhaps I don't know like just stuck with you or perhaps like just what are your overall sentiments around graphic design as it stands today I think it definitely design is becoming much more interdisciplinary you know less less siloed you know if it for instance if you if you think about identity and and, and the branding campaign that involves can involve product design plus all the print materials plus interaction you know, you know, um, websites, plus it could, you know, you be, you might be thinking about the space in which it exists and that that's experiential. 
So it's it's definitely becoming you know less siloed, and I think education is going towards that towards that direction as well. I'd also say like it's sort of be, like democratized, you know, like I think especially mm-hmm. now that more and more people have access to the equipment and programs that you know back when you know when we were in in college in the nineties where it was a very specific thing where you had to spend, you know, a lot of money to get access to, to like typefaces yeah. programs. And, you know, now there's also this trend of, you know, a lot of people rebelling against Adobe because they don't want to subscribe, you know, and there's these other sort of like um, programs that are sort of equivalent to them that, that, that I see a lot of students in college using or, or trying to figure out how to use like you know when you think about figma too like that's become like a huge thing mm-hmm. um so i think uh it's it's a lot more accessible and yeah. and more mm-hmm. and I, I know people have been saying this fears but it seems like uh when we were talking about like what you know it's if you told someone oh i'm a designer they would automatically assume you were a graphic designer and um and i think now is the case where they sometimes they don't know, like Sharon was saying, like you could be product design, you could be motion, you could be animation. And I think now, um, like, especially at, at, you know, at Columbia, we're trying to prepare students to not be sort of like a generalist designer where that was the thing when we were in school, like, you know, like it was, you know, like a lot of students go out in the world now with, with design degrees, but they're not necessarily doing specifically like print graphic design. Like we've had a lot of students who would end up going to Amazon. And then one year we were in um, Seattle for TypeCon and I, I met up with some former students and they were working at Amazon. And I, I was dumbfounded. I'm like, so what is it you do? Like, like what, what graphic design does Amazon have? You know, cause you're always seeing like the website, and it's like, and, you know, they were doing, um, um, UI UX. Uh, yeah, they're doing UI UX. And at the time I was, and this was years ago, I'm like, what is that? And so they explained it to me and I'm like, you know what, you should come to Columbia to talk about this because the way they explained it, I was like, oh, okay, I see what, what this is now. And my idea was like, oh, you had to be, you know, like a real hardcore computer programmer. And they're like, no, it's just, it's the basics of what we were taught in, in college and graph design applies to UI UX now. And so, um, so I think now they're, you know, like, design means could mean a lot more sort of branching off to when before it wasn't like that well yeah and but to um guys earlier point of of um tools things were never free <laughs> when we were young right yeah, yeah, yeah nothing was free and everything yeah. seemed expensive but now you know my um our our son's using blender you know <laughs> Um, it's really great. And, you know, there was no online publishing when we were younger and now, you know, you know, everyone can, can use that and it's really affordable and easy. Yeah. Even just the idea of being able to, like, for instance, like on Figma, you could collaborate with someone in real time. To me, that's still, that still surprises me because I remember working on a file and then having to send it to someone else and right. then they work on it, then they rename it, then they send it back and just like, Sometimes a file goes missing. You're like, which version is the latest one? So being able to collaborate in real time, I think for me is make makes such a huge difference because I do see the designer having a bigger seat at the table. And I think design, I think businesses are starting to realize more and more 
the value of design and the way that it could, you know, even even with just the pandemic, how many companies had to optimize their their brands and their online experiences because everyone was doing things from home now. So that's exciting. But I do see, I do, I, I do get excited about seeing more and more conversations around what the role and the responsibilities of a designer are. Because at least when I was in school, for me, I thought that design was just about making things look nice mm -hmm. and about sort of doing, being able to be a generalist. And like you have on your portfolio, like packaging and you have like a poster design, you have like all these things. And then for me, going into my first job or going into my second job as a product designer and realizing that there's like so much strategy and like research that happens before you even you know, start using the computer. And and the students that the both of you have, are there any questions that you see them like asking or what sort of curiosity motivates them? Any thoughts on that? How, how are your students? Well, when, when I, when they ask me like, well, you know, what should they be doing? <laughs> like what else should they be doing besides going to class? I think it's really important um, for them to get out of their shell, um, to be able to speak about their work. Um, and I, you know, see, I'm not like, I wasn't like a, a naturally gregarious person. You know, I also had to come out of my shell. And I think, um, you know, you can do specific things like I say, take a speech class, take a drama class, take a um, a voice class, take a, you know, join the debate club or something, something where you get used to talking in, you know, in front of people, because I think that's really going to help. I mean, you can be a very talented designer, but if you can't express your ideas, it, it's going to be hard to kind of move up. But how do you talk to clients? You know, how do you talk to teammates? How do you talk to, to your boss? Um, I think maybe that's something that held me back, I would say earlier in my, you know, as a student and in my career, um, it, it wasn't until I got comfortable talking in front of people that I think, um, things really like moved for me. Yeah. It's like, uh, what Joseph was saying last night at his talk with the IGA about, um, don't go, don't go out to lunch with, with other designers. Cause all they will talk about is like design. And I think that's great. We're doing that right now. But I think also just being able to be invested or like immersed in other disciplines and like, you know, other other fields. Um, I remember uh, many, many years ago, like Debbie Millman was doing this thing on Twitter where she said the first like 10 people that respond to this tweet will have like a 20 minute call with me. And I was one of those people and I, and I was asking her all these questions about design. And the conclusion was she, she encouraged me to read various like news publications. And in my mind, I'm like, why do I need to like read the news to be a designer? <laughs> like I was so confused. And, um, and it wasn't until recently that I'm, that I just recognized the benefit of just being in tune with, with, yeah, with the world, you know? Yeah. I think that um, especially coming out of pandemic, to get back to what Sharon was saying, like there's a lot of students didn't know how to sort of react once they came back into like public spheres or in classrooms. And um, and I I could see that they were very like gun shy about showing stuff because they were so used to, you know, like being on their own, you know, for, you know, days on end. Yeah, it was it was a big thing where like during, you know, it was almost like having to 
um, reteach like some of the students I had at the very beginning. And then when they came back, it was already like two years later. And, and I remember thinking like, you were never, you weren't like this when I first met you. And so it was always a thing of like, for me, like trying to figure out a way of like having, how can I have the student talk? And then I realized, well, in, in class, there was a portion where I would, I would purposely not talk about design. Like I would say like, Hey, I just saw this movie and, you know, or I just read this article and then to try to get the students to like open up and say like, okay, what's a pathway of like, how does, how can this book that has no relation to design or art, you know, prompt you to sort of like look into something else. And I think that really helped because then, because for, I mean, for me, for teaching too, like I have a lot of students, a lot of projects are really based on what's the student's interests. Um, and so I feel like that really helped because I'm like, okay, here's this project, here's the parameters, but what are you interested in, you know, in this way, because you're going to be working on this for the next five, six weeks. And I think for me, that really helped in my teaching career, because this way, the students sort of have a buy-in in what they want to do instead of me saying, like, I want you to do this specific thing and use this specific typeface where I'm like, okay, let's leave it a little open. So I think, I think it becomes really hard, especially coming from the pandemic where students now have to like sort of relearn how to like be with other people again. I, I had this conversation once with a studio owner at, and, you know, it was a small studio. So when the phone rang, that's when the phone used to ring. <laughs> yeah. People would have to answer the phone. And he told me that like nobody wanted to answer, you know, all the young people didn't want to answer the phone. They were, and then even when they did, they were like super awkward. They weren't used to just like talking to people live. <laughs> and I have like this other uh, question for the both of you. So given that the both of you are educators, what do you think if you could teach any class, like let's say it's even a, like a made up class? I don't dream about that because I already teach the classes. I, I love teaching, you know, because I've been in it long enough that I get to teach the classes I want to teach. And I, and I love the classes I teach. Yeah. So I haven't really thought about what it could be because I, you know, <laughs> it's already that. And so I, I, I teach a lot of uh, thesis classes. So undergraduate thesis and um, you know, thesis development um, for graduate students and then also like advanced typography experimental typography I, lo I love that stuff so I'm already doing it you know yeah I think the same thing for me I I've been at Columbia for a while now and whenever to, to get back saying, whenever if I want to do something specific now um we'll have like a special topics class and then I could just you know create something that that like I sort of want to do and that's sort of what I'm doing so there's there hasn't been anything where I'm like oh I wish I could do this and I I think for me, the only limitation would be would sort of be like technology. You know, like for me, like I, I'm the kind of person that when I teach, I don't I, like I, I have to feel like I'm sort of like at the level of the students technology wise. So um, if if anything, like it would have to be probably like a technology base, something more with advanced technology. But I, at this point, I I feel like sort of getting back to what Sharon was saying, I feel like. I'm doing the classes that I that I want to do or that I'm envisioning doing right now. I will say that my undergraduate senior thesis class, I think what's special about it at UIC is um, I've been co-teaching it with a writing, a design writing instructor. And I think that makes all the difference. And I don't think other schools or many other schools do that, um, have two instructors, because I think writing is so important to, you know, to thesis development and thesis making. Right. I think most programs or colleges, they'll have two designers or two parallel design, like a design, like a graphic designer and like a product designer or a graphic designer and a UX designer. And I, at UIC that I think 
a lot of schools don't do that, which I actually admire about UIC with, with the graduate and the undergraduate thesis that there's a, a writer. Because I think getting back to what we're talking about, like everyone should learn how to write or speak about the projects. And um, having someone who is coming from a different angle you know, really helps that direction. I think the writing aspect or even speaking about your your work is very tied in with like storytelling. And I think as designers, that's a right. big part of what we do is we tell stories. Um, and, and the other question that I wanted to talk about is because you were talking a little bit about technology guy, um, but have you guys had a chance to, to play with AI, artificial intelligence? What do you think? But before we move on to that, I just, I did want to give out a shout out, give a shout out to my uh, co-teacher with, uh, with writing Megan Farrell. So she's, and I think writing is really important, but also just, she's just amazing. Well, that has really been fulfilling our part in my in my career. Our AI, but we did we touched a little bit on it for the um, the exhibition we did for Art in the Mart at yeah. the end of last year, and um, Sharon had two colleagues from UIC that that came in that we partnered with uh, Daria and Daria uh, Supakova. She yeah, she works at UIC, and so she was really interested in this, the AI capability. So there's like a, a small sliver of it in the in the seven minute um, uh, animation that we did. But I don't know. I don't. I don't. Maybe this is just me, and maybe it's, and people might think I'm gonna be ignorant, but I don't see what the big deal is. <laughs> I'm kinda, like I'm kind of like I've and I've seen some of the results, like especially when it comes to art or graphic design, and I'm always like. Well, this looks like some, like, it looks like it was manufactured. And especially now that we have, we, we have a 15 year old and 11 year old, and you know, they're all into like these things. And, and like, for me, and I think Sharon can attest is what teaching does is that it always keeps you up to date on like technology trends and having kids out, having, you know, a, a teenager and one that's going to become a teenager, like, they're always saying like, look at this, look at this, or like, look what I'm doing here. And and I'm like, what is this? You know, like, you know, like we're saying with the blender stuff and we'll spend hours on something. And we, we tend, we try to watch things together sometimes. And we were recently watching the um, Marvel's um, Secret Invasion. And I let, we, we watch it. And I don't know if you know about this. So the credits were created, the, the company who created the credits, um, had an AI algorithm design the opening titles and I play I let it go and then I paused and I told him like oh you know what an AI did this and my daughter says oh yeah I know it's been all over the internet about this and this and I and I we were we had a conversation about it. I'm like looking at it, I'm like yeah you could tell that like it the, the thing about AI is that I feel at least the things that I've seen it doesn't look as refined like and that may be intentional but like I, I, you know, uh, with both me and Sharon growing up in the eighties with like Terminator movies and, you know, like you're like, you're always like, I don't know, this isn't a good thing, you know, and, <laughs> you know what I mean? And so right now when I see this, I, I'm using like, oh, that doesn't look that good creatively. But then I'm always like, well, you know, when you, when I read more and more articles about like, oh, this AI became sentient and said, I don't like humans, you know, I'm all, and we're always talking to the kids. I'm like, Oh my God, this is like the Terminator, you know, like we're, we're, we're not that far from. So I mean, to get back to like, we haven't, I haven't really, or we haven't really done much in it other than having someone on the periphery do something for us to show. Yeah, I'm, I'm interested in it and I'm, 
already thinking about the next class I teach, how I can incorporate it. I, th- I think right now it, it's it's exciting because we don't know yet what, what we can do with it. And so possibilities are, are really open right now. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm definitely thinking about adding a project or something that uses AI. Like for me, like getting back to the writing thing, like the, <clears throat> the chat GPT thing is the thing that I have already started with some students. Like I, I last month I taught a portfolio class and it's getting back to like writing and speaking. I would tell students like, you know, write a bio, you know, what, what about this project that you like? And it was really hard to get students to write something. And so I was like, just write a couple sentences. And then with, with chat GPT, I'm like, oh, what if you plug this in and expand on it? And so a couple students did it and they showed it to me and, and I was like, this, this is really good. And they're like, oh, it's because, but the, <laughs> but the thing that I realized with artificial intelligence that you, like what to do, what I made the students do was like, okay, if you, you have to give it something first and then whatever it comes back with, you revise that and then put it back in. Like it's always, I feel like it will work out if there's always a give and take, like you just can't, like my fear that students will just like, I'm just going to have this thing do it for me where I'm always like no you have to prompt it to do something then when the prompt comes back reprompt it again and this way it becomes more a collaborative thing where it's your writing that's been sort of improved or expanded upon don't just give it like I need you to write a thing about this and I think that's why a lot of educators are worried about when it comes to like term papers where students just might say like I need a paper on you know Egyptian culture you know and then mm-hmm. it just spits <clears throat> out this thing that's not accurate so it's always like I, I I've been telling students like with with the chat GPT stuff, you're really the editor, right? So whatever it comes back with, you have to rewrite that and then reposition it again. So I said, so that's the thing I'm excited about is that including that in the classes as sort of like a, a writing exercise. Yeah, because it, it is a tool and it is a thing to collaborate with. I think written content has to be, by AI has to be like fact-checked <laughs> for yeah. one thing. And then... Um, the other thing is it, it it is it's scary though because I tried it I tried it out I put um a college entrance essays I read so many and it it was scary spot on and is there are there any things like you know let's say outside of AI but anything happening right now within design that really excites the both of you um getting back to what you're talking about I think I what what I'm interested in or excited about is seeing a lot of designers not being like generalists anymore. So like, like you're saying, like, you know, when you see a designer now, you don't know if it's product design, UI, traditional graphic design. I'm really amazed to see um, students leave a traditional graphic design program, but then they're not doing traditional graphic design. So I guess it's almost like, you know, we call it like, you know, interdisciplinary design is I think what, what I, what I see is happening a lot more now, especially now at UIC with the, the UIC has a new BA program, right? With the Mm-hmm. Uh, the BA in design studies. What is that? What is that program about? Yeah, it's relatively new, and it, it it's you know it's designed in in general and designed with with research and not necessarily just graphic design or just industrial design. Um, we have both. We have teachers um, from both camps teaching those classes, and then we have teachers that are just in neither of the those camps teaching the class. They're just like design historians or um, design researchers. Um, and it's, I think it's going to become popular, you know, to, to, yeah, to not have to pick one discipline or the, you know, or the other. And then what about for you, Sharon, is there anything that's excited, that's keeping you excited or 
Yeah, like uh, some of those those tools that are, are becoming affordable or, yeah, that are affordable now or free. Like I, I want to tinker, you know, like I, um, I think I do want to tinker with Blender and um, a, like a silhouette cutter is now, you know, everyone, you can have your own silhouette cutter now. I mean, you can have your own 3D printer. You know those things you know, you could you couldn't own them <laughs> in the past and now you know. so yeah I'm I'm interested in tinkering with those things. Well, we're almost at time, but one of the questions that I always like to end our conversations with is for, perhaps for the listener that is um, new to design, maybe a student or someone changing careers. What sort of advice would you have for someone that is a little bit junior? I I have this routine device that I give that sometimes gets me in trouble where I, I've all like, if you're a freshman or changing careers or you're a senior, I always tell students, like, don't be afraid to make mistakes. Like, like there's this thing where, you know, we'll, I'll give an assignment and, and students like, I did it wrong. I don't want to show it. I'm like, I, say, I don't know. And then, you know, they show it. And I'm like, this is actually really good. You know, and they're like, really? And I'm like, yeah, because you didn't, you know, you didn't know, you didn't find this, you know, traditional way of entering into that point, this actually works out really well. And so I, students always laugh when I, I always start off the class saying like, I want to see your mistakes. I want to see something that you're not really confident about because that could prompt you to go into another direction. So I, I've always told anyone at any, any level or of graphing experience, like, don't be afraid to make mistakes because that's what's going to, you know, that you're going to learn from those mistakes. And for, for us, or especially for me, I actually like um, like we did a, a whole catalog on stuff that project that didn't work out. And then we sort of recontextualize it by using these prompts to have like these accidental prompts that, that would um, uh, reposition the project. So I, I'll, there are a lot of times where, especially within our work, like we'll do stuff that is a springboard or, or the foundation of it was something that like a, a photograph or importing something into design that wasn't supposed to happen and like those happy like a lot of people say those happy accidents and i'm always like oh this actually looks really good let me try to do this and that springs board us into something you know else it's so easy to see to see images to see design with social media and instagram and everything i don't i don't know if that is helpful (laughs) as a designer because um, I think people end up then um, maybe mimicking or thinking that that's the way design's supposed to look because that's what I see. I think that I- ideas should not come from what you've been seeing, but ideas should come from something else, something you're really interested in, you know, some kind of subject matter, something, you know, maybe there's like a story, some literature, or there's... Um, you know, a poem or there's, um, yeah, I mean, just any, any topic that you're interested in, in any kind of research, those were, that's where ideas should come from and not from what you've been seeing, because then you're just, you might end up making more of what you're seeing. There's a designer based out of New York. Her name's Talia Cotton. And I was speaking with her a while ago and she was saying how she, she doesn't like design trends. And she said something really interesting about how following design trends or designing based off design trends is not design because you're not making choices that are coming from you. You're making choices that are coming from someone else. 
to me, there's some truth to that. And I, and, and as I was preparing for this interview, I I don't know if I looked, maybe I didn't look hard enough, but I noticed I couldn't find social media, like Instagram for the both of you. Oh, no. <laughs> it's intense. Like the only social media on is LinkedIn. I, I, so uh, we, when we did an exhibition for Tiger Strikes Asteroid, the crew was like, oh, we want you to promote this on Instagram. I'm like, mm, no. And they're like, I'm like, and they's like, do you even have one? I'm like, I have one. And I'm like, and I pull up my phone, I'm like, oh, I've, I've had it since 2011. And they're like, and I'm like, I've never posted anything on it. And they're like, what do you mean? And like, you don't do anything on it. I'm like, the password to get in is the password that Instagram gave me when I first, like I've never done it. And so they were really like, well, we think you should. And I was like, I don't know, you know? And so we're, we're both very, um, maybe we're becoming dinosaurs. <laughs> yeah. We're very about like, like, and I, I only, we're, I'm, or I would say I'm only on LinkedIn because when it initially started, a friend from college said, oh, you should get on this. And once I filled out everything, I was like, oh, wait, this is a professional like Facebook. And I was like, well, I already, I already engaged in it. And, but I have to say that I, I really, I'm really glad that I did it. Cause that's how I sort of keep in contact and, and engage with other people. And especially with students. Um, and, but it, it's, it's very intentional. Like I have just maybe, I don't know, like a month ago, I finally like made public the, my Instagram account. And, um, and what's really funny is that I happened to tell Sharon, like there's one person following and my, then the kids were kind of like only one person and, you know, cause they have their own things and, you know, they're, I'm like, I, you know, so I, I think it's, this is going to sound really odd, but I'm, you might agree, but it was Sharon, but it's, I feel like that's, like beyond this <laughs> now we're we're kind of like well we have our friends that are our friends you know they don't need to know you know like what we're like like our view of is like oh I don't need anyone to know like what I'm eating and you know where I'm at at the moment you know and I that sort of have rubbed off on our kids so uh yeah it's you you'd be hard I LinkedIn is yeah. probably the only thing that you would find us on and I only joined LinkedIn because I felt pressured to for you know, I'm like, oh, I have to join something. So I'll do LinkedIn. Yeah. And and I don't know if the two of you know, but um Instagram just launched like a new app called Threads. Oh, right. And, I saw that. And it's like the equivalent of Twitter, but now it's linked to your Instagram account. So now there's two apps to keep up with uh if you're on Instagram. So yeah, I mean I applaud the both of you for 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 having that self uh self-discipline to to not to not engage because yeah, it's a for me, it's a huge time suck. And I like you were saying earlier, it's hard enough to return emails and then <laughs> to keep up with right IG. And now I feel like with Instagram, I'm like, oh, you know, like what if I don't post something for a couple of weeks? What you know, like if someone be like, what's wrong, you know, what's going on? Or if I feel like what's wrong with me if I don't post something, you know. And so I really just use Instagram as like a place where I can put my photos on. And then my ultimate goal was like, oh, there's this place called can't remember it used to be just named something else but now it's not where you can print out your instagram feed on like on a poster and that was my real intention it was not to let anyone else see anything but i'm like well i guess i have to do this if eventually i want to have this poster of all my squares you know so awesome so so what what do the both of you do when you're waiting in line or, or like stuck in traffic I, you know I, it's i i would I would, I would have to say, I'm going to call Sharon on this. Sharon's on her phone a lot more just because Sharon's going to- I like playing chess on my phone. 
Yeah. Sharon likes playing it. Like I call it baby games. Sharon plays a lot of games on her phone since all the kids. And I'm sometimes like you're saying when we're waiting something, I'm the only one that's not on my phone. And so then I sometimes feel pressured like, well, let me check my email, you know, or let me, you know, who texted me something, you know? And so I, um, it's, it's odd. I, like, I just, I will just stare, look around at stuff. And I think that's why having a camera, I'm always like, oh, look at that, that thing. Like when I'm driving, for me, the distracting thing is not the phone. For me, the distracting is like if I'm stopped somewhere, I'm constantly like looking for a picture. Yeah. And, you know, and I'm always like, oh, look at that. And and I used to, when we used to be in the car, I would find posters to take photos of, like the the um, the decayed posters. And I would actually tear some of them down and take home. And then I would use for collages. Whenever I have the kids with me, the kids would freak out because the kids would think, I was doing something illegal. And so they're always like, you can't do that. And I'm like, no, it, this is a public space. Technically, they're not supposed to be posting And there was one time where I was, I had an exacto knife, like a utility knife. And I was really digging in to the billboard. And I just heard this whoop, whoop. And I turned around and it was a squat car. And they came out and like, what are you doing? And of course, I'm like, I had this huge utility knife. I'm like, what? <laughs> you know? And so I'm like, oh, no, I'm just taking this down. And it was sort of like the thing of photography, like, why are you taking this down? Why are you turning on? Like, I had to explain the whole thing. I'm like, oh, I'm a graphic designer. I do these collages. And once I said that, they're like, yeah, okay, whatever. And they just drove off, you know, because once they saw that I wasn't going to deface something. So for me, my time suck is like, not my phone, but like looking around the environment around the floor. Like I, I'm I'm constantly looking at the floors, like, like looking at like old smashed beer cans or Coke cans and like, piece of the paper and so I'll come home with like and I'm always like <laughs> eat that out on the porch put in a bucket or something don't bring it into the house yes I have like a little box like I have all my stuff that I found that Sharon thinks is too dirty to bring into the house so <laughs> or I'm in the basement cleaning cans that I want to get inspiration from for like like typography yeah, stuff yeah. and so like I have to clean it that brings me to that point of like inspiration try to find inspiration not by like following people find inspiration from like other you know other images but from somewhere else somewhere else inside you or something you know something else you're interested in I love that well thank you so much for this lovely conversation it went by super quick um so we know that we can find you on Instagram so there's that if someone wants to get a hold of <laughs> both of you um what's the best way for people to to reach the both of you um on a, through our email at sharingguide.com um, or like I said, we're both on LinkedIn. So that's another thing. And I'm, I'm on Instagram. So like, like, and this doesn't sound really funny or like old. I, someone asked me, uh, one of my, one of my photographs is going to be on a cover of a magazine. And someone asked me, oh, can you give us your Instagram handle? And I was afraid to ask him like, what is that? Like, <laughs> I actually, instead of asking a friend who's always on Instagram, I was like, he's just going to, Layami. So I had to Google like Instagram handle and it was kind of like, oh, it's the ad. And I was like, oh, okay. And so I, <laughs> now I, I know people are like, man, you're, what's wrong with you? And I, cause I was just so oblivious of it. I was yeah. like, Instagram handle. And I thought it was the, what I call the pound sign. You <laughs> yeah. know, you know? It used to be called the pound yeah, sign. Yeah. It used to be called the pound sign, you know? So, and so, and they were like, no, it's the at symbol. I'm like, oh, all right. So yeah. So I'm, it's like, what is mine? It's like at Guy Via Jr., you know, okay. for the Instagram to it so but it's really uh, linkedin is the is the one where we're uh, we're um on and you know sending stuff out okay so i'll put the i'll put those links in the episode in the notes for this episode and uh and before we go um anything that the, both of you are working on that we should be on the lookout for you mentioned sta 100 type con 
anything other any other things that the both of you want to promote um uh, we're working on a publication for the art and the mart exhibition that wrapped up and um we're continuing to work with this client uh they're jay myers and mark myers they um they are film writers and directors or, or writers and directors and we did get out productions yeah get out productions and we did um film titles for them uh a year ago and sort of coming out with a, a, a um a short film and so we're doing um yeah we're doing a typography for that as well yeah so we're doing like, sort of like figuring out what we want to do with that and i also just want to mention the other organizations that i'm with um diversify by design um or i think the email is dxd um yeah, I think they're a really great organization, um, as well as, uh, yeah, I think I did mention that I'm on the Chicago Design Archive as well. Awesome. Yeah, well, thank you for thank you for sharing that. Um, okay. Thank you so much. Thanks for inviting us. Thank you so much for listening to this full episode and for supporting Underscore. If you want to learn more about the Chicago Graphic Design Club, you could follow us on Instagram or you could visit our website www.chicagographicdesign.club we just announced that we are going to be publishing a print publication and call for submissions are now open and they will close mid-august so if you're interested in being featured in our publication now is your chance visit our website to learn more information about that thanks again for listening and thank you for your support